0: I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Living the
1: Dream podcast. I am here with Andrew Exler. He's born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Andrew has built his life and career around working with and improving the lives of others. Andrew is the founder and chief strategist of Andrew Exler Consulting, providing expertise in social media marketing and professional development to nonprofits, startups, and small businesses. Andrew is also the founder and CEO of My New Summer, a nonprofit helping camp people prepare for life after camp welcome andrew thanks for having me matt i'm excited this is this is going to be we had a great chat before we're starting here and i can't wait to see where we go so let's just start out with your incredible background and just share your story of how you got to where you are now Sure. Wow. That's what a question. Um, (laughs) Just go for thirty minutes. (laughs) Just just go. go.
2: Um, Yeah. Absolutely. I I think um, it started. I went to Ohio University for my undergrad and graduated in 2013 from their sport management program. And growing up playing sports, I always wanted to work in sports. That was really the dream for me. Um, Although I knew I had some other options if that wasn't to work out and. I was lucky I got my first job with the Columbus Blue Jackets out of college. I was selling tickets um, and doing some other things, and I quickly learned that I much more would enjoy working my day job and have tickets to a game rather than working sports year-round. As great as the opportunity was, it it wasn't for me, and I recognized that. And um, fortunately, I had a lot of experience and um, an understanding of potentially exploring the nonprofit world. So I jumped from uh, ticket sales in the NHL and I became the regional director of an organization called BBYO, a Jewish youth organization providing leadership development and really programmatic experiences for Jewish teenagers around the world. I was working in Nashville, Tennessee, in Pitt, and then I got to move to Pitts, back home to Pittsburgh where I'm from. Um, and after being there for a couple of great years, it was a really exciting experience. But again, I just started to get the itch of, I don't know if I was going to be here uh, for the rest of my life. And I, while I was in my last year and a half working for there, I went back to school at the University of Pittsburgh to get an accounting degree on top of the business degree I had. And I come from a family of CPAs um, and went into a family business. From there, I was working as a tax accountant for two years. Um, And really there were some Life changes for me after a few years there that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit uh, on this podcast. And from there, I I now uh, own my own consulting agency. I do social media marketing. Um, Like you said, I also just started a nonprofit for people who come from summer camp backgrounds that I will also get to talk about a little bit. Um, But it's been a whirlwind. Um, I'm 29 years old, but uh, a lot of my experiences, I've really tried to learn from everything I've done to get me to where I am today and hopefully I can inspire or motivate or help somebody who is miserable where they are, kind of where I w- once was, um, to help get them to a point so they can be happy and really content with what
1: they're doing. Uh, that's a perfect backdrop and now I have 47 questions to ask you about all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, that, what a, I mean, I'm glad you said you were 29 years old because you basically had three careers in eight years, right? I mean, so... Are there certain takeaways that you can use from each mini career that you had in order to make that jump into entrepreneurship?
2: Sure, absolutely. And and I first will address there is definitely this stigma out there that if you leave a job after a year, you destroy your resume and your reputation. Um, I'm sure there will be people who will still say that that is the case. Um, But for me, it's really what you're doing in in your work and what you're learning, what you're taking away. Um, definitely if you just say this job sucks, I hate my boss, I'm miserable. I, I want a new job because I'm not getting anything out of it personally. That's one thing. Um, but if you're recognizing, like I did in ticket sales that the sale direct sales route where I was making a hundred phone calls a day, um, and working, um, working these sports where I was losing my passion for wanting to watch the sports like I would oh, return yeah. home to pit I would return home to Pittsburgh to go to a penguins game and I'm just like I can't be around here right now because <laughs> that I, I'm just thinking about being at work um, but really it, it for me it goes back to what did I learn along the way that got me here and when I was working in ticket sales um, just my people skills being able to talk to be confident on the phone in person being able to sell whether it's a product or sell yourself uh, is something that's really important. I went into the nonprofit industry and I learned a lot about the nonprofit world, which is obviously so different than the for-profit world uh, and how organizations really are built on mission, vision, values, uh, and how that's driven everyday life uh, and getting to meet a lot of great people there. And then I got to go in the accounting field and having an accounting degree really is going to help you anywhere you go and just having that basic business acumen. So for me, combining everything I've done has really helped to get me where I am now.
1: You know, I'm so glad you said that, how you said because I'm thinking, like you said in the beginning, if you're only at a job for a year or two, people might poo-poo that resume. But from what you just said, it's almost like you have more experience because you've seen behind the scenes at all these different types of places.
2: Exactly, exactly. And it's uh, unfortunately, and I can name 15 friends of mine who I know aren't happy where they are right now, um, it's really encouraging people to be happy at the end of the day. Uh, Life's definitely too short to be miserable doing what you're doing. I I talk about it a lot that in the most cliche thing ever, but if, if you love what you do, it's not going to feel like work. So you're not going to dread going in and spending hours a day. And that's kind of the point I've gotten myself to.
1: Do you mind sharing the story about what you said before we went on with the 40 hours working for somebody. Do, well, I think you know where I'm going. Go ahead. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. I, again, it's a, you can have your day in day out routine where there's certain people who they are okay with the structured nine to five. As Soon as five o'clock hits on Friday, I'm heading to happy hour. There's people who need that structure and that's great. Uh, for me, I think by now looking back at everything I've done where I've worked for people, I've worked for certain people who I, who I don't know if it was the greatest experience and I've worked for some amazing people. Um, for me, I, I have now learned that I would, I am much happier working 80 hours a week for myself uh, than 40 for somebody else. And it really goes back to um, just thinking that like, I love what I do so much. So it's, I'm, I'm excited to wake up every morning, you get on my computer and talk to all these people who are interested in working with me uh, in the various capacities that they can uh, compared to just going in and going through payables every day or whatever is uh, on the docket, just to get it done and go home uh, after work.
1: I love how you said, I'd rather work, let's say 60 to 80 hours a week versus 40 for somebody else. I think that's a cool, that's a great quote. I wrote that down. So how do you, you made technically two jumps to different areas as far as the business side goes. For somebody that's listening to this going, you know what, I'm not, you know, I'm not too happy where I am. How do you know when it's time to make a jump into something else or jump into entrepreneurship? Or maybe it's just a perspective tweak you need to make in your head to, and stay where you are?
2: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think once you know, you know. If you're thinking about it and you're getting that itch, um, it, it's time to start making adjustments. I'll be the first to say, don't quit your job tomorrow. If you're miserable, you need to have a plan and you need to have a great network and people surrounding you. I'm lucky to um, have really value to having mentors along the way since I was really young, who I talked to a lot. Um, my most recent job working in an accounting firm, I spent probably 10 months and I let my employer know that probably at the end of this year, I'm, I'm going to be making a change. But right now, I, I want to be able to help you while I build it out. And that transparency uh, was really valued by the employers uh, that I was working with. And it's being able to build out a plan of don't just jump ship with nothing next. Uh, really, if you want to be an entrepreneur, why? What do you want to do? How are you going to make money and still have a sustainable life? Obviously, money isn't end-all be-all but you need, you need to have some sustainability to be able to grow personally um, but, but really it's once you know you know and it, it just do everything that you can to get there uh, it's not easy it's a, it's a grind and you really have to have the mental uh, capacity to know that you're gonna have some really tough days there and uh, the income of what you want what you see people posting on Instagram it might take a few years to get there and that's okay
1: uh, that's well said my friend i am going along the same lines and i think this is a great conversation did you so you you worked for other people for the first two jobs and now you work for yourself did you think you're 29 when you were 18 19 20 did you think i want to work for myself i want to work for myself or did you come to this conclusion after working for other people
2: um when I was younger, I like I know entrepreneurship has always been a thing, but I, I think the like the independent contractor world has really become popular in the last few years where really having that flexibility of what you're doing uh, being a 1099 employee, however you want to call it. When I was younger, I thought I was going to be an athletic director or the president of a sports team. Um, but because I, I dream big and it was always one of those things I, if I wanted to go into business, I, I don't, I don't know what I would do. Like what's my business going to be. I'm not going to start a new sports team, even though there have been people who have done that in the last couple <laughs> of years. Um, so for me, it was just knowing that I, I wanted to do something where I would be happy at the end of the day. And, um, I mean, I I have a long road to go, but I definitely am happy with where I have been since I started on my own November, 2019,
1: November, 2019, six months plus and you're rocking and rolling. Life is good. All right. So let's absolutely let's pause for a second and just go to the transition into entrepreneurship, because I often say that decisions and moments in your life can shape your destiny. And from our conversation prior, there was clearly a moment in your life that sort of flipped everything upside down for you. Can you just share what that was and, and how it changed your destiny?
2: Sure. Um, and I'm very open talking about it being from Pittsburgh and being from the Pittsburgh Jewish community. It's a really tight knit group we have here. Um, and I'll preface this that I was working in accounting in a family business Um and it was a I have a great relationship with my dad and it was an awesome experience getting to work with him, but we both knew that this wasn't where I needed to be and he even acknowledged that at one point. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, I was like severely depressed while I was working there for a long time. Um, always thinking of like when am I gonna get out of here and get to go do something I, I wanted to do. But it was always one of those I'm I'm in a family business, I'm it's gonna be successful if I just keep working hard. Um and I'm a member of Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh where tragedy happened. Uh, just under two years ago. Uh, and for me, that was my moment. As soon as that happened, um, I really took a, I like to say, I, I took a, I don't know if I called it an activist role in the Jewish community in Pittsburgh, but it really started to focus on the young professional Jewish community. I, I sit on the board of Tree of Life now um, and have done a lot of work for them. And for me, that was just kind of my, it is time to not be miserable anymore and go out and do what I wanted to do. So, um, I took a terrible, terrible tragedy and at least tried to make some light out of it by being able to do a lot of great work for great people. I, I do Tree of Life social media now um, as a volunteer, which is really exciting to see the communications with them. And once I got started doing that and reading through the types of messages that we get there every day, um, all of the really kind-hearted people, it's inspiring to know that as dark as some people can be, there are 50,000 people who are great to replace that
1: that's I'm I want to go deeper into that because it's so interesting I mean clearly I'm from Pittsburgh too and that tragedy hit me uh probably as hard as it hit you I mean it was it was painful and it's it's interesting to hear you talk about that because you could either take the tragedy and you know go down the wrong road and maybe you know get depressed and, and beat yourself up over it but you decided to go the other way and turn it into something where you could almost bring the community closer together did you did you immediately think okay, I need to rethink my life. Or was it, were you kind of in a blur there for a little while after that tragedy that, you know, killed, 11 people were killed?
2: Yeah, so I mean, literally, I I live in Squirrel Hill. So I I live less than a mile down the street from Tree of Life. And like, I've written a few articles about it. And I, I remember I was sitting here and I noticed police sirens going off in Squirrel Hill on a Saturday morning, which is very unusual to hear it more than once. And I got a text from my dad, said what was going on. The group text started where everyone started to and really saw the severity of what it was. And at the time, I was actually sitting in my living in my uh, dining room studying for the CPA exam uh, as that was happening. And it was I kind of figured out what was going on. My, my cousin worked in uh in Squirrel Hill uh, on Murray Avenue, which is nearby where everything was getting shut down. So I just went up there. Uh, for a little bit to spend time with her while we were just kind of locked in there until everything was situated. And it was really that night that I was just like, yep, it's time. I'm not, life's too short. We we didn't know yet how many deaths there were. We didn't know who it was, but it was just this just completely altered everything in Pittsburgh uh, in my way of life. So from there, it's just how can you take a really bad situation and put some silver lining to it? Um, so ch- continuing to try to do that every day and just really work with people and help other people be happy and be successful.
1: Yeah, well, wow, you were right. I mean, you're you're right down there. That's just an unbelievable story. Is that, do you feel, me being from Pittsburgh, but, but not quite as close as you are, do you feel the community, maybe the Jewish community, the Tree of Life, and Pittsburgh as a whole, do you feel they've rallied around this tragedy? I mean, is it, is it better now than it was a year or so ago, or are we, are we moving in the right direction, you think?
2: I think Pittsburgh set the mold for how a community should respond to a tragedy uh, in their community. And I know when this has unfortunately happened in similar communities around the world, Pittsburgh has been contacted to basically say, how did you manage to get your communities to be so great together? Um, I I know I, I saw your story when you ran the marathon with the weighted vest on. And when I first met you, I approached you to tell you I know exactly who you are. Uh, so for for me, I, I think it was amazing just from all walks of life. Um, so I remember sitting uh, a few days later when they were doing the vigil after it happened, uh, Mawazi Muhammad, who at the time was the executive director of the, uh, of the Islamic Center of Pittsburgh, started speaking. And since then, he and I have created a relationship. And we've done a couple uh, speeches on combating hate and the anti-Semitism and just seeing that. A Jewish person could sit down with a Catholic person or whatever it is and really talk through things. And I think Pittsburgh showed the beauty of um, what it means to have a really strong
1: community. I totally agree with you. You you make a great point too, especially with, um, you know, sometimes the polarizing things that happen to us and we pick sides, but I'm with you that it's nice to, I've been, as you said, a bigger part of that community and, Just because we have slightly different views doesn't mean we can't come together and be more powerful as a group than just standing alone. So, I'm with you, and you guys know how to throw quite the party too in some of those areas.
2: Uh, 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 Jewish weddings are are the place
1: to be. (laughs) (laughs) So, what's you're you're running your business now? So, you're speak a little bit about what you've learned in this new role as entrepreneur and. You know some some takeaways people can have either if they're an entrepreneur or just in the in the business world in general. What's your what's your big takeaways? Um,
2: I, I mean, the first takeaway is that I am so happy I did it and just took the leap. Um, you get a lot of questions from family and friends. You get a lot of pessimism from family and friends and you also get get a lot of support um and then it's just funny how it works out after you start doing well and then everyone's saying well, i am so inspired by what you're doing i wish i could do this and my response is why, why can't you do this what's like what's stopping you um and, and so for me the biggest takeaway was just if you're thinking about it just draw write up a plan put everything in writing um and just do it uh, ask for help it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to struggle a little bit. You can't expect to be making six figures in your first month as an entrepreneur. triple um, aside from what any social media – entrepreneur might try to make it seem that life is like um, because you can have all the cards and the luxury um, but what they're not showing is the 18-hour work days that are going into it that you're waking up at 4 a.m you're going to sleep at 11 o'clock you're uh, even whenever I mean I've played golf and I've been answering emails in between holes just to make sure that I can stay up to date so just understanding the grind but also knowing that you're going to be so much happier um,
1: once you're in a place that you want to be. I love how you shape the whole thing around happiness because that's our end goal as human beings, right? We want to be happy. It seems like a great thing to aspire to. And so you're you're talking about happiness, how happy you are. You're clearly working longer hours now, but you love it. Give us, can you, do you have an example of a setback in the entrepreneur world that you've had that you've been able to overcome or maybe one that you haven't been able to overcome and you're still trying to get through?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest one, I don't know if I'd call it a setback as much as um, just general business, um, like doing social media marketing that I do uh, with clients. At first, it's like you have so many conversations, you have all these business owners, they want to talk to you, take take 30, 60 minute consultations of your time, this sounds great, really promising, and then you send them the proposal. And then it's, Actually, we're we're holding off. We're not ready for this just yet. Or great talking to you. I don't think we're there yet. Um, And it's just and at first you're so confident, you're excited to be on your own. And it's really managing your expectations that until someone signs on the dotted line and uh, either sends you a check or you start doing the work for them, don't tell people that you got to have all these clients. Don't feel confident until it actually happens. Um, And I guess the the life scope of what that is is just stop expecting things from other people and stop Mm -hmm. expecting people to be as great as you are stop expecting things and then you'll also find yourself much happier much less stressed. Um, not saying to have set the bar low for like what your goals are but just have low expectations so whenever something great does happen it's the best thing in the world every single time um, I love that. so it's really so so it's really just the patience um, that it's not all gonna happen at once I was talking to another friend who's a business owner about this topic and he said that he's found it's two years on average from the very first conversation until actually closing them as a client is what he has seen in his his business. So it's very much a long game um, and just being able to have the patience and understanding that like, you're not gonna be living in this mansion with your Ferrari just yet. Maybe you'll get there one day, um, but it's okay to not be making what your friends are making it for a point in time because it's great if say, if your friend's making $150,000 and they're getting a the 3% raise every year, that's great. But if you're setting your own salary, and you start at 60, and then 65, then all of a sudden, you're up to 120. And then all of a sudden, you're up to 300, it's going to jump. So I think a lot of people get blinded so much by the success of others around them. Uh, And it's just you've just got to keep looking straight.
1: I love that it compare yourself to yourself and not to everybody else. Yeah, I love that. Well, the other thing that I'm thinking is, as you're saying that, I guess you could look at the options as would you rather make 150,000 working a job you don't like and that unhappiness carries over into your home life or mm-hmm. make 80,000 and love what you do and be, you know, sky high every day which it seems like exactly what you are exactly it's it's great so you're talking about making a plan i it makes a whole lot of sense if you're thinking about making a jump or even maybe starting a side hustle somewhere how much of your journey in entrepreneurship did you have planned, and how much of it was like a punch in the face, and you have to adjust and constantly change things as you're moving forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I love a good side hustle. Um, that I, I had been doing social media stuff on the side for a, a while now, completely for free, just because I loved it, and it was. Um, and it's actually funny. I wanted a, once I was getting ready to leave the accounting world, I was looking for social media jobs to be a social media manager with a brand um, or a sports team whatever it was and it kind of got to a point where you need to have professional experience for a year or two years three years to be able to get into a lot of these very competitive roles so I just kind of said F it," and said I'm just gonna go do it on my own so I, I started talking to small businesses and um, working with them just around I work around their budgets Um, And so for me, the biggest piece was just like once you're doing it on your own and you're teaching yourself and you can educate and like I've gone out and gotten social media certificates that you can find online and all these different things um, to just better yourself. That's been the biggest piece for me uh, um, is really taking a side hustle that I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. And again, I am very far from being successful, Um, but Just understanding that I've seen some the tastes and it's always nice whenever you do have someone send you a message saying, I'm so inspired by what you're doing or your blog is awesome or the best, like I said earlier, I love when someone says, I wish I could do that because it's just like, do it, figure it out. I'll talk to you. Let's have a call and let's go get coffee and talk about it.
1: I feel like we need to use this podcast as a way for people to reach out to you if they're on the fence and thinking about it. I mean, would you mind if somebody reach
2: out? Hundred percent. If I if I have a chance to talk somebody out of their cubicle where they are miserable, um, while also getting to explain, you're not going to be working nine to five anymore if you're working for yourself. Um, but it, the value of it is just the reward is just unbelievable. Absolutely, I'm happy to talk to anybody.
1: You know, I was going to wait, but tell them now. What's the best way if somebody wants to get a hold of you and ask you a question or two, or just give you kudos? What's the best way to reach you?
2: Sure. Um, I'm sure my email address will be linked to wherever this gets posted. Um, yeah. It's just and, Andrew at AndrewExler.com. Uh, but honestly, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I will be the first to say that I think LinkedIn is the most underutilized, undervalued social media platform in existence right now. Uh, For professionals one, I think my favorite part is people are just nice. So like you go on Twitter, you go on Instagram, it's dark. Um, I love LinkedIn and definitely welcome connections on there.
1: Just because you brought it up, now I got to ask you, do you do anything because I know a decent amount about social media, not as much as you but give me your thoughts on TikTok, do you use it? And do you think it can be used for business purposes now? Or is it a one or two year thing?
2: 100%. TikTok's next. Um, TikTok's already really starting to blow up. Um, I, I'm, I'll give a free shout out to my friend Ethan Ostroff. Um, he's, a, he's the TikTok lawyer. Uh, if you look him up, he's from Philly. He is, has taken law and made it into uh, best practices for the most basic things. He's got these videos of what do you what do you do when a dog bites you? What do you do when you're getting pulled over? He's amassed over 200,000 followers since he's been doing that. Because someone like myself, it's I'm very interested in following a lawyer on TikTok because these are everyday things that I don't know. Um, you take something like that, but then you also connect to brands, being able to put their product in with influencers and everything else they're doing in these short videos. I, I think it is absolutely blowing up. Uh, Lost, right? Esports, another organization I run social media for, we just launched our TikTok a few weeks ago, uh, and it's been a lot of fun on there. I've made a debut in a few of the videos, but I usually (laughs) stay behind the scenes.
1: You know what? I'm so glad I brought it up, because now i got to ask you about esports. I've never played one, but you and I have spoken off camera. Clearly, esports, I mean, that's like the TikTok of sports. Like, that's next. It's not even next. It seems like it's here. Give me your thoughts. I mean, maybe just broad... Thoughts on esports because I think we're close to these guys passing up LeBron James as in popularity and it's gonna be the esports guy. So just esports, go for it.
2: Yeah, so I will be the first to say I was not a gamer growing up. I always had an Xbox. I was very fortunate, but I, I was not someone who was glued and could sit and play games for six to eight hours like some people can. Um but understanding the business nature of sports and esports, um, it is absolutely there. I mean, the pandemic has been very unfortunate, but the esports world has been virtual. So for them, it's been a, a real um, tower just to see how much it could grow. Uh, and then on just kind of the human side of things, for me, when you talk about how inclusive the esports world is, and I work for a nonprofit esports organization, uh, when you start saying, talking about how it doesn't matter your gender or your physical capabilities or your background, what you look like, anybody could be the best at any game. Um, and that for me um, has been a total no brainer. I remember um, when I first really started getting into the esports world, I saw Microsoft have this commercial um, where it, it was a, boy, a disabled boy uh, in a wheelchair, but they create accessories for the disabled. So they can play certain controllers might look a little bit different. And it's this commercial where all these kids are around him and he wins the game that they're playing and they're all cheering and dancing. And for me, that was like, this is exactly why I love this because you don't need to be the jock athlete to be the best at Madden or whatever it is. Um, so the, it is such a fun world to be in uh, and seeing how it's growing and how for cities have professional teams. In Pittsburgh, we have the Pittsburgh Knights, um, and then there's all these other major organizations around the world uh, seeing it blow up. I, the fact that I could hop on and play Madden with a friend in Sydney, Australia tonight if I wanted to, uh, we're capable of doing that. And I mean, that didn't exist when, when we were younger. So it, it's a really fun place to be in a fun industry that's going to be growing
1: uh, uh, for years. I'm so glad I asked you that. You made a great point when the playing field is even. I mean, all people of shapes and sizes and male, female, it's all, I mean, we're all in the same when it comes down to the fingers. We can, we're all the same, right?
2: Yep. That's really It's called it's a little esports lingo. They call it Twitch. It's the, the Twitch right. muscles in your hands. So, so a lot of games, like whenever they're creating the games, it's like how much Twitch can one game really need without it being overloaded? Uh, so it's a really, there's some very interesting studies out there that you just don't think about. But like how many, like the movements, the Call of Duties and the Fortnites, how many different movements do you have to be aware of at once. And that's where you really see the talented players coming through.
1: Twitch, I'm in the know now. Now I know the eSports lingo. Okay, We're I wasn't going to ask you this, but I am now. Okay, true or false. In 5 to 10 years, esports will be bigger than one of the major sports in the United States. Let's say hockey, let's put soccer in there, hockey, soccer, basketball, baseball. You think esports in 5 to 10 years, 10 years we'll say,
2: just from like a valuation standpoint yeah. or popularity, valuation 100%. Wow. 100%. Um, I don't know which one. I mean, I don't think anyone's touching like the NBA or the NFL. Uh, but I think some of these other leagues, um, unfortunately, you've kind of seen just when it comes to like collective bargaining agreements and um, players associations, there there's a lot of dispute between players and, and the owners. And I absolutely, I mean, and again, it comes back to that inclusive nature that you can be worldwide versus the, the NFL is only in the United States. So I, I would say true.
1: Oh, that's really, we'll have to play this back in a decade and see how true it is. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I want to respect your time. We're going to do one last question, then we're going to do this quick power five question. Can you, you want to tell us a little bit about my new summer? Because it seems like an awesome initiative you're doing
2: sure yeah the the long story of my new summer our mission is to we we say we're we want to help camp people prepare for what's next Uh, we work with summer camps uh specifically the seasonal staff the the 18 to 24 year olds who are going to work at camp in the summer uh, provide professional development opportunities and network for them to either find mentors internships jobs Uh, We launched about 45 days ago. We've already placed 15 people into jobs and internships, and uh, we've got another 20 jobs that have been posted within our organization, which has been really exciting. We just got our nonprofit status last week. Um, And long story short of where that came from is my first job interview, I was actually interviewing with an NBA team. Uh, for a sales job, and I had four years of camp experience on my resume, and I got laughed out of the room. The guy literally asked me where my real resume was. He said, Because this one is a joke that you can't camp experience isn't real. And I remember I called my mentor on my drive home from that interview, and I said, I don't know what to do. I can't lie. I can't take camp off of my resume. And so he said, All right, how can you sell it? And then I started talking about, Well, my communication skills are perfect. My time management skills are perfect. I'm very reliable. I'm empathetic. I can work with other people. And the list goes on and on, and now it's we want to make sure season those seasonal camp staff in camp uh, it's just summer camps around the globe are really putting a value on their seasonal staff to help them with their professional development. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's going to help retain staff to keep them going back to summer to camp uh, during the summer. For that extra summer before they go off into a career if they don't want to be in the camping world forever so um, it, it's a really exciting time there uh, unfortunately a lot of camps have had to make cancel their summers this year so we're working in the right now for our short-term plan to just help people find a network and find something to do this summer and then in the long term so we can get people get back to camp and make sure that they're getting ready for life in all aspects
1: that is a great idea and i gotta I need to make sure I look that up. So just social media, My New Summer. Do you guys have a page and everything?
2: Yeah, yeah. We're MyNewSummer.org is our website, uh, yeah. but we are we are everywhere. We're on Facebook, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram with a really strong presence. We're, we're bringing people on and welcome, welcoming people to the network every single day. So it's a really exciting time there.
1: Yes, it is. And good for you. And you better be on there. You're the social media guy.
2: You got to be on there. Exactly. That, right? Exactly. It's, it's <laughs> kind of hard sometimes because I've taken a step back. I manage a social media team that we have, but I've kind of turned the reins over to them to actually do a lot of the management for the Mindy Summer specifically. So it's fun getting to help uh, other people. One of our employees is a college student. She's actually getting college credit for her internship with us this summer. So that's really exciting.
1: Good for you. You're just doing so I, much stuff that you love. I, uh, I love it. So we're going to wrap up. Power five. So here's what I'm going to do. You have to answer these five questions in like one sentence or less. And they okay. you might have a tough time doing this because some of them are deeper. But one sentence or less, I'm going to rattle them off. How? And by the way, I think these are great questions for any person to ask themselves. I try to ask myself these as much as possible to keep me motivated and inspired. How do Go you ahead. want to be remembered?
2: Somebody who helped somebody else be successful.
1: Oh, that's so good. That's so simple. I'm not good at making simple answers. (laughs) That's really concise and good. Okay. What are you, it could be business world, could be personal world, whatever. What are you most thankful for in general?
2: Um, I'm thankful that I was taught the value of a network when I was young, uh, of building relationships
1: and connecting with people. I've asked that question to a lot of people. I've never – that's a really good answer. I like that a lot. Build up the network. can't start too young, right? It, it's, it has helped me every step along the way. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, this next one makes sense because you're getting married most likely in the near future once the world gets back to normal. Do you have yep. a go-to dance move on the dance floor?
2: I. Like... I mean, I mean, I'll keep it Jewish and, uh, I mean, the horror, just so we, 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 we love running around. But, no, I mean, I, I, I'll throw in the worm if it's a long night. But that might that be The worm? It. It's been a while.
1: I'm expecting a worm dance at the wedding, just so you know, in the future. <laughs> we'll see. By the way, congrats on getting engaged, too. Andrew got engaged last year. Thank you. Okay, two more real quick. What's the biggest setback that you've overcome? we kind of talked about setbacks earlier. Is there one that sticks out that you overcame and just what are you proud of? if that if, and when that happened? Yeah. I I mean,
2: I I want to kind of be politically correct, but like thing like the, just being depressed and just not knowing like how to, I was never in a place where like, I didn't know how I'm going to be able to move forward in life, but I was just at a place of like, I am just so miserable and I don't know what to do. Um, And it was that the step back was just recognizing that place. And then also literally recognizing, all right, here's where I am. This isn't going to help me just sitting here and sulking. So what can you do? So just being able to move forward and working as hard as possible.
1: And that's great because you can get stuck. I mean, I know that feeling with my troubles with alcohol in the past. I mean, you start telling yourself, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. And then that's just self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And you don't end up doing anything. That's a well said. Okay. Last one, who is your hero? You can give me more than one, but do you have a hero that it could be fictional, could be in real life, could be anybody? That's so good. <laughs> um, this is my favorite question, I think.
2: Yeah, that, that's uh, such a question. <laughs> I mean, I can think of so many people. I, I'll keep it outside of family. I mean, if, if I'm just talking about like sports, idols, I mean, I, I grew up loving John Wooden which is like funny because I was not around when he was coaching, but I've read some of his books. Um, Just seeing a man like that who is uh, his, and his quote is sitting in my bio on my LinkedIn page uh, because he's just all about leadership and values. But you see the way that his former players talk about him now. um, And that's kind of, he was a mentor. Uh, And he was a great one of, I mean, the best collegiate basketball coach in history. So I would say that's someone I always looked up to and um, wish I had a chance to associate myself with.
1: That's a great answer. And it seems like I actually have one of his books too. It seems like as good as he was as a coach, he was even better human being from what I've read. Oh, there you go. Oh, I don't have that one. That's not the one I have. Oh, I like that. Uh, Oh, this one's great. I'll have to send it to you. Yeah, we'll have to chat about that offline. Way. That's it. I appreciate your time, my friend. This has Thank been you awesome. so much. I really hope people reach out to you with questions or it, it just seems to me like you could be this amazing coach for people that are looking to make the leap, at least give some guidance because it's an inspiring story. I mean, it's I love chatting with you. I
2: appreciate it yeah anyone who is listening I'm very open send me a DM uh, on social on LinkedIn send me an email and happy to set it up and Matt I I appreciate your time and obviously I'm inspired by your 5am dance parties and everything that you're doing (laughs) as well so so please keep doing it
1: (laughs) I appreciate that that's the first time that's been referenced so thank (laughs) you for that all right Andrew thanks again my friend of course all
0: right everybody Thanks for listening to another episode of Livin' the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't,